0: Hi, hey everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen.
1: And my name is Justin Euler. And this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. On today's episode, we're going to talk about challenging difficult interactions with customers. And when I mean a customer, this could be a generally like in a B2B type situation, not a business-to-business scenario, not a business-to-customer scenario. And this could be working with a consultant, working with their client company, but more than likely, this is really two businesses who have entered into some kind of contractual relationship for goods or services with one another In this particular case, we're going to talk about what it's like to be on the end where you feel like you are in the right or trying to do the right thing. Maybe that's a better way to put it, trying to do the right thing, because you may not always be in the right, and you're just getting lots of pushback, and it's becoming a contentious relationship with one of your customers. So want to spend a little bit of time talking about that today and possibly kind of wrapping that around a story. To be honest with you, I've got lots of stories. (laughs) Being in the services business, even with the best of customers, there comes a time in the life cycle of a project or an interaction where there's going to be some tension. Not always. I mean, I've had some pretty dreamy customers, but there's always one out there. A mutual friend of ours runs a digital marketing agency, and he primarily works with, I would say, small businesses and provides both goods and services, and faced, you know, some challenging interactions with some customers. And he had a particularly tough interaction two and a half, three years ago with a customer that was basically getting ready to pull the business. He and I sat down and we walked through some steps that he could take to potentially de-escalate the situation, reframe the situation. And that interaction led to bigger contract (laughs) with that customer, more revenue, stronger relationship. And rather than losing that business, that business actually grew and expanded. That's not always going to be the case. That's kind of the ideal scenario, but that was definitely the case with our particular friend. So a few things I'll kind of frame out for you. One, I find it extremely important in every relationship to include Personal relationships to set expectations appropriately, manage expectations. If you do not manage expectations proactively, they will be managed for you and they will often work against you. For example, my wife and I may talk about our day and what we have lined up for the day and who can do what. And hey, we got to pick up this kid at this time and we got to pay that bill and we got to do this thing. And If I just sit there and nod my head like, you know, and shake it like it's just a box full of rocks and I don't help set expectations with her about what I can or cannot do later on, she's going to come back and was like, hey, I kind of expected you to go pick up Amos at 245 or I expected you to call the repair shop about this deal. And now our son has been left at school and the car hasn't gotten its oil changed. Silly examples. But those of you who are married out there know that the silly examples sometimes turn into the most painful fights. So expectation management is really, really important. Being able to say like, hey, I can do this. I can't do that. Right. Or, hey, my understanding is that you are going to be taking care of X, Y, and Z. Right. Or we are not going to be taking care of X, Y, or Z. We are going to be taking care of A, B, and C. So expectation management is really important. I'll give you another easy low hanging fruit example of expectation management and that's emails. So both Lindsay and I worked on a very large account together for a number of years. And we had some of our colleagues who after six or seven months, they looked like they had been on that account for like a hundred years, worn out, tired, spent a little bitter, a little snarky, really brutal. And when you talk to them, you would ask them like, Hey, what's going on? They'd be like, I'm on email till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I wake up in the morning. There's emails in my inboxes. I'm on email all weekend. My client is calling me on a Saturday evening while I'm at the ball game with my kid. Like I just have no boundaries, no space. I'm just always working. And I'll be honest with you, that's their fault because they didn't properly set expectations or manage expectations. So one of the ways early on in my career, I learned to set expectations is if I got an email from a customer over the weekend, I just didn't answer it. Passive aggressive or setting a boundary. Now, Monday morning, eight, nine, 10 o'clock, depending upon the urgency of the email, I would respond to it. But I set a pattern of behavior. And in that way, I was managing expectations. They knew That if they communicated with me from Friday at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon until Monday morning at eight o'clock, they weren't going to get an answer. Now, there are exceptions to that. Technology go lives, ship dates, product launches, store openings, you name it. There are a whole bevy of exceptions to that rule. But for run state life, for just the day in and day out of life, setting clear expectations and managing that expectation, not just verbally, but through your behavior is super important it sets, I'm going to use a word that's been very popular over the last decade or so. It sets a boundary. It says, this is where I'm going to go and this is where I'm not going to go. More importantly, this is where you're allowed to go and where you're not allowed to go. So I'm happy to go the extra mile for my customers. And there are definitely those time periods where you have to stretch. You're going at it till nine or 10 o'clock at night and you're probably answering emails or answering phone calls. And when it comes to just dealing with an upset customer, I find that oftentimes they're upset because you likely have not properly set and managed expectations. The second thing is when you are in that difficult conversation with the customer, you really have an opportunity to either engage and respond or react. React to me is primarily emotional. And I think for a lot of the men who might be listening to this in particular, I would say primarily defensive. Believe it or not, John Gottman, we've referenced Gottman. He's a relationship psychologist, psychologist, PhD, uh, retired emeritus from University of Washington, deals with relationships, primarily marital relationships. And he and his wife at the Gottman Institute, they talk about defensiveness and talk about getting flooded. When you get really emotional, your heart rate starts to go up, your body gets tense you start to get flooded. And so that's this idea I want to speak to about reacting versus kind of engaging or responding. When you are defensive, and we all feel defensive at times. When we get defensive, but when we respond out of that defensiveness, when we respond emotionally, and I'm not saying emotions are bad, we're not automatons, but when I say when we just react out of pure emotion and out of defensiveness, we're not really res- responding to the situation and we're not really engaging with our customer. And you actually stop listening. You actually stop thinking. You're just acting. It's all action. And that has a tendency to escalate a situation, not de-escalate a situation. And so to our friend who owns a digital marketing agency, that was one of his primary responses. He was so emotionally engaged. It's his own business. His mortgage is tied to his ability to make revenue. There's no one else out there but him. If you lose as a customer, it's a direct hit to his paycheck. He's got a lot of skin in the game. And so when you have a lot of skin in the game or just a lot of passion and ownership of your work, sometimes your emotions... And your defensiveness can get in the way of actually de-escalating a situation with your customer and having a constructive, responsive conversation where you can actually listen, you can ask questions, you can gain insight. Just today I had someone say a very provocative statement to me and instead of reacting, I said, tell me more. Tell me more about that. It wasn't personal towards me, but it was provocative and it made me curious. And so instead of offering an opinion or reacting, I was like, tell me more. It's a great way to start engaging with someone. The third thing I would say is oftentimes situations escalate because we use technology improperly. We IM and we text message and we email one another. And those are all forms that are without a face. It's much easier to use invective language. It's much easier to get snarky and mean and sassy and all the negative ways over email, text, and IM. How do I know that? Well, one, I'm experienced at it. And I know that those communication channels actually are more information channels, not really communication, right? They inform, but they don't really communicate with someone. So my big advice to our mutual friend was, hey, just stop, pick up the phone, you know, iPhones actually have a voice function. Find the phone icon, hit that, <laughs> dial a 10-digit number and have a conversation <laughs> with the dude. And even better, have a conversation with them and just say, hey, listen, you want to do well, I want to do well, we want to do well together. Our interests are commingled. Can we just sit down and have a conversation? And so I actually mm-hmm. encourage our mutual friend to do just that. One, get off email. Two, pick up the phone, have a conversation. And then three, go have a face-to-face conversation with them. Have lunch, pay for lunch, maybe bill it to them later, but pay for lunch <laughs> and and have a conversation. And it was out of those couple of activities, getting off of email, going to the phone, having a voice combo and then meeting face-to-face that he was actually able to earn additional business. Now that is not a guarantee. There is no guarantee that you go from email or IM or text to a phone call that you're going to get the chance to have a face-to-face conversation, and there's no guarantee that if you have the face-to-face communication that you're going to fully de-escalate the situation. Because if you are face-to-face and you're still emotional, reactive, defensive, chances are you're not going to get anywhere. But I will tell you, it takes a lot of discipline in a heated situation to respond appropriately over channels like IM, email, text. That don't become snarky and really treat the other individual as an impersonal it rather than a human being sitting across from you when you can actually hear their voice look at them eye to eye chances are you're gonna at least gonna reach some understanding even if it's not agreed it's going to at least be civil so all things being equal you know assuming some level of emotional intelligence maturity you know i really encourage folks to have a phone conversation face to face I've stated a couple of these already, just blended into what I've talked about in regards to expectation management, engage versus react, kind of de-escalate, and voice and face-to-face conversation. But throughout your interaction with another individual in a contentious situation, de-escalate, walk away if you need to, pause, don't hit send right away, wait to pick up the phone, breathe, clarify, and restate. So instead of just verbally responding to the person right away or through word. Clarify. So so what I think I heard you say was, or what I heard was, those are great prompts. I use them all the time in both my personal and my public life. What I heard you say was, what I think I understand is, is that correct? Did I get that right? Clarifying and restating are really, really helpful tools. I already spoke to kind of setting boundaries. I think that's part of expectation management, but a helpful tool I'll tell you that will prevent contentious conversation sometimes or feeling like your boundaries aren't being respected. They're asking too much of you. When someone asks me to shift my priority or when a customer throws another thing on my plate, I'll say, hey, happy to do this. My understanding is that number one, number two, and number three were your top three priorities in order. Is that correct? Okay. You're now asking me to do this fourth thing. Which of these original three would you like me to deprioritize so I can add number four to my plate? So number one, two, or three has to go away, and then number four replaces it. Then I double check and make sure I have my reset priorities correct. Half the time, they're going to tell you, oh, you're right. Keep going with what you're doing. Keep going with that. I'll have somebody else to do it. Sometimes they do reprioritize, and then you just reset the order of activity. But I find that to be another really helpful tool in the expectation management area. And then I would say when all else fails, on top of seeking advice from folks you trust, if you have an irreconcilable difference with the customer and you see it moving in a bad direction, you can try to go back to the terms and conditions of your agreement, the contract, and see if you can get common ground there. You can even offer to renegotiate the terms and conditions of the contract. But at that point, you really are getting to a place where hopefully lawyers aren't getting involved, but you may have a parting of ways. I usually, by the time you get to the contract and you're talking about re-baselining on the terms and conditions, the relationship has kind of gotten to a place where it's hard to turn that one around. Not possible. I've seen it happen, but it's unfortunate because then you're getting to the kind of the letter of the law rather than dealing with the human side of business. And that gets tricky fast. Those are kind of my big hits, I would say, around a customer. And I would tell you, if you have a longstanding relationship with a customer or any human being, and you've not been through the trials and tribulations that occur in most relationships, I would probably question how really solid and deep that relationship really is. I mean, even the two people sitting on this podcast yapping in your ear right now have been through challenging times together. And it's actually those challenging opportunities can become opportunities to actually deepen the relationship. And through those difficult times, if they're managed well, you might get a customer for life or a reference for life because of how you handled that difficult situation. And again, I feel like deep, meaningful relationships have usually been through a difficult period and have found a way through that difficult period. And like I said, it deepens that
0: relationship. As you were talking, Justin, I was thinking about where have I seen examples of B2B customer relationships that were really successful? And the setting expectations, getting really proactive about that. So when you're initially putting together the contract, making sure that you are documenting what's been discussed in detail and is really well understood by both groups, by the customer, as well as the provider of the service or the goods. It's all about getting really proactive with the customer because there is a sense of sort of entitlement when you're on the customer side of I'm giving you money for a reason. I'm paying you with the services and goods. And I expect a certain amount of respect and attention that comes with that. And so when I've seen businesses get proactive about how do we manage these customers' expectations ongoing, I see feedback mechanisms set up, whether that be survey or check-ins through discussions. I've seen Really clear contacts per customer account. Who do I interact with and who do I escalate to if needed? And really clear on who do I reach out to if there's an interruption in the service or goods or something changes that I wasn't expecting. Typically, there's some type of shared mailbox that might be looked at 24 7 by the company who has the contract with the customer. They should have some type of You can email this mailbox or you can reach out to this group and you can escalate to this group. And here's what we would consider an emergency as outlined in the contract. Not that you always want to say, well, we go back to the contract and your request isn't here right away. Like Justin said, you want to use all of the really great examples and tips that he gave for how to navigate that. But if you proactively set up feedback mechanisms, make sure that customer feels that they're supported and understanding who they reach out to, when, why, and how, and how they escalate and what the expectation in terms of a response should be, you likely have the opportunity to avoid a lot of the difficult situations. You know you can't avoid it hundred percent of the time, but there's some things that you can do to proactively ensure your customers feel supported. And so then they have this positive experience with you. So when an error or a mistake, a difficult situation comes up, if they've had that positive experience up until that, point, that helps sort of frame their approach and desire to continue the relationship and contract long-term.
1: Yeah. So to summarize, expectation management, super important, and that's something you have to do ongoing. Set it at the very beginning and continue through. By the way, I wouldn't start with like, I will do this. I won't do that. That's a really bad look when you start, but it's oftentimes it's about behavior. It's about ensuring that we understand our ways of working, that we've walked through that. Usually when I get a new boss, one of my first questions is what are some of your pet peeves? What are some of your sacred cows? What's really important to you? That helps me with expectation management. Engaging versus reacting. Helping to de-escalate a situation is super important. Getting to a voice on the phone or a face-to-face conversation, incredibly helpful. Clarify and restate. Don't just respond with a bunch of words, but listen to what someone says. Clarify what you think you heard. Restate it if necessary. Get affirmation from the person you're speaking with, it's super helpful. And I think we both said if you've got to get to the T's and C's, sometimes the renegotiation of T's and C's and the contractor terms and conditions. Usually, when you're getting to that kind of conversation, it's getting really legal and legalistic. You want to be clear, but usually that's a sign that the relationship is devolved to some degree and not necessarily in a healthy spot. But yeah, I, I really do believe that a difficult customer relationship can become a long term customer relationship and a valued customer relationship, maybe even a friendship. And you've got to work through that. But how you work through that tension will tell you a lot about what that relationship is going to look like coming out the backside.
0: That's all for today. Don't forget to head out to our website to access additional resources such as case studies, tips and tricks worksheets, trainings, articles, subscribe to our podcast and newsletter, and more.
1: And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.